Now, anyone who knows running knows that fall is a busy time of year. There's marathons, road races, cross-country races. It's all there, and often it's very hard to keep up with. It's kind of a running sensory overload, if you will. Now, that's where we come in. Coming up on this show today, it's all things fall running, including the CIS cross-country, CCAA cross-country, marathons. It's all there. We chat with Jeff Costin, who will tell us straight up, how it really is, and Mr. Tracky himself, Adam Stacy, will be joining us with a look at the numbers. As well, I look to simulate the windy settings of the CIS championships, and trust me, you're not going to want to miss that. You're listening to Canada's newest running podcast, The Terminal Mile. This is a Tracky Radio production. All right, so I'm out here in the middle of a literally a, a farmer's field right now, trying to capture the spirit of the CIS National Championships. Now, Environment Canada says that the wind's gusting at about 100 uh, kilometers per hour right now, so I guess that, that's pretty much about right. I'm about to go on an easy run. I'll let you know how it goes after this. My first guest needs no other introduction than Mr. Tracky. He knows his running, likely knows you're running, and is the creator, curator, and mastermind of the Tracky Group. Welcome to the show, Adam Stacy. Well, thanks for having me. Now, to celebrate this first show, uh, I'd like to play a little bit of, of a game with you. I'd like to call this Running by the Numbers. Are, are you ready? Sounds great. All right. First number I'm going to throw your way is 121. What can you tell me about that? All right. Well, that is the number of points that Lakehead men were off from their 2012 CIS team score and their 2014 CIS team score. Wow, now that's quite a bit of a difference. What do you think the difference has been there? Uh, well, you know what? The team is actually a lot of the same runners on it. But the thing is, a lot of them were in their first and second year in 2012. So a lot of those guys really stepped it up. Like Kevin Tree, for instance, he was 77th, I believe, in 2012, and then 21st, I believe, this year. And then, of course, Dylan Brown always steps it up. You know, he was Rookie of the Year 2012, he was fifth, and then this year he was fourth. Uh, and then a lot of their guys really just kind of improved, you know, over 2012. So how does this leave them for uh, eligibility next year? Are they in good shape or are they going to lose a lot of their guys? Or Yeah, I'm pretty sure most of the guys will be back. Of course, their one transfer, uh, Connor McGuire, who transferred from St. FX, I believe he was in his last year. Um, and he was actually their sixth place finisher this year. So I think they're returning their top five. Wow, things are looking pretty good for them. It looks like they're about a, a transfer away from a real podium shot. Uh, now, so. let's go on to our second number here. Uh, it seems like this one's kind of a giveaway. Uh, the number one. <laughs> yeah, the number one. So so this this is for Guelph. Um, you know, both, both their uh, teams you know, have been winning like crazy at the CIS Cross Country Champs. I believe this year was their ninth consecutive win for both male and female teams. Holy cow, wow. At, uh, I think they pretty much have a copyright on the, the number one. The number <laughs> one is theirs. Squatters rights on it, right? Yeah, so like it is pretty incredible what uh, DST has done with this team. I don't know if I'll give them a copyright. Let's, let's give them a long-term loan or a long-term lease. They're going to have to give it back sometimes. <laughs> I'm wondering who's going to be the, the first one to take over that lease. I, I think we're all kind of wondering about that. 
Yeah, I, I don't even want to guess. Ah. <laughs> Next number for you, the number 130. Oh, that was the wind gust in Newfoundland for the CIS. It was crazy out there. You feeling that one still a little bit? Yeah, I'm definitely feeling that one. Although, unfortunately, most of the time I was forced to be inside uh, because of our issues we had with the stream. Oh, that sounds brutal. It was. Uh, next number we have for you is five. Five. That is the number of different teams that the women had in the top ten. That's pretty impressive. That That's a pretty it good is. spread. It is. It is a pretty good spread. But you got to keep in mind, too, that even if there was only two universities, there's about 40 universities that take part in the CIS. If there was two, the University of Guelph and the University of Knock Guelph, Guelph would still be able to compete for the win, for the team win. Wow, that's uh, that, that's really something. But, yeah. you know, it, it still does say a lot. I mean, technically that number could have been six on that day given, uh, you know, just how the race shook out and stuff. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of good diversity. Um, and, you know, that's only a good sign for CIS running, CIS running in Canada, in my opinion. Totally. Yeah, no, it was great to see so many different teams in that top ten. Just a refresher, you are listening to the Terminal Mile by Tracky Radio. I'm joined by Adam Stacy, aka Mr. Tracky. Uh, another number for you is the number 1,000, and I have a feeling that one's pretty close to you. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was the magic number that we needed to uh, raise in 48 hours to actually get us out to Newfoundland to cover the meet. And you guys got it, right? Yeah, no, it was it was amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely have to give a shout out to everyone who donated. Uh, we had a lot of a lot of small donations that just added up really quickly. So it was really that last like last day of donations that pushed it over. And then I have to thank the London Runner Distance Club too because they really helped us in covering some of the uh, flight costs. That's really fantastic. Now, did you get like was it was it a lot of people donating a little bit or was it a few people donating a lot or Yeah, no, it was definitely a lot of people donating a little bit. Like the highest donation we got was $100 and then most of them were, you know, anywhere from 10 to $20. So it just a lot of people and, you know, small amounts added up. You know, it really does talk to uh how popular the sport for running has gotten over the past couple of years, especially in Canada. It, uh, it truly is a great thing, especially for runners like us to, to see for sure. Yeah, no question about it. Like the CIS, like the depth of the CIS has definitely grown. And, you know, the, the fan base has too. Like we, we've been lucky at Tracky to have great partnerships with uh, the CIS and Athletics Canada. And, and just over the last few years, our viewership has actually gone up almost 500%. So it just shows you like that the demand is out there. Uh, so it's, it's good that we're able to kind of bring everybody together. And, and, you know, they came together and helped us get there. So it was great. Now, mostly we've been focusing on the CIS so far, so I'm going to throw a few different other conferences of numbers at you right now. Uh, this next one is 2004. Can you first tell me where that's from and uh, perhaps tell me the significance of it? Yeah, so 2004 was the last year the Fanshawe men uh, had a team that placed outside of the top three. Wow. Yeah, now, it's impressive. Now, I... You know, I, I kind of...
kind of wonder about this one because, you know, you take a look at Guelph and their uh, streak of dominance and stuff. Normally, we'd look at Fanshawe, and I'm pretty sure we'd call it a dynasty. <laughs> However, can you really <laughs> call it a dynasty when you look at the CIS side and uh, see such a dominant force? Yeah, like... It's it's tough. Like the CCAA is a lot tougher because most of their their programs are only you know one or two years. Where where a university program is usually four or five or even more if you you know get into your masters and PhD. So it's it's definitely a lot harder for those CCAA schools to you know keep keep their team strong year after year. But Fanshawe has done an amazing job. And like last year, they lost they lost a lot of their big players like Clint Clint Smith. Josh Lumani and Dan Bright, who actually transferred to Humber, um, so they lost their three top runners this year, and they still, you know, some of their their young guys really stepped it up, and you know they were they were second, I I believe, at CCAA's, and they won the OCAA's again. So, yeah, you know that's that's truly impressive, and uh, it definitely speaks to to the great coaching of uh, of John Loney going on there For as sure. well. For sure. Um, not only was there cross country going on, but there's also, you know, fall is perfect marathon runner, uh, running season. Uh, I'm going to throw a big number at, out at you. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's one that, uh, I think most people in the running world will know it's two ten uh, oh five, I believe. Close, close two ten oh nine. Ah, of course, of course. So yeah, that's that's the magic time, you know, that all the Canadian males are chasing. That is the current Canadian record. You know, it looked really close at Scotia, you know, going through the halfway point. Uh, do you think any of the, the current guys can do it? I I hope so. It's, it's obviously not going to be easy. Uh, they're all having such a hard time. Of course, Reed Coolsat was the first one who almost broke it back in 2011, where he was on pace for almost the entire race. And then just that massive headwind that, you know, he had to deal with, you know, fell a little short. And then we've seen, you know, guys like Dylan Wikes who have been very close. And Eric Gillis has been, you know, very very like very consistent over the last few years and of course he he was the top canadian at 211 21 i believe uh this year at toronto and again he was on pace for i believe 30k at least of the race now quick question do you, do you think it will be at scotia bank that the uh, the record-breaking race <laughs> will eventually happen well, they have that huge bonus money on the line. So I believe they get $1,000 for every year that marathon record has has uh, held up. So I, I think they're at something like 47000 Wow. Could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should uh, start my marathon training a little harder, I think. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up uh, all of our running by numbers. Uh, numbers. Uh, just a, a couple more quick questions for you. Uh <laughs> The forum versus reality. You know, you have all those prediction threads and stuff on Tracky. Uh, presumably, you monitor all those sorts of things. What can you tell me? Did the forums pretty much get it right this year? Um, I don't. I don't know if we ever get it right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll give some stats on the uh, Kitely McInnes poll we had since. Since that was maybe the closest thing, since people would you know log in and actually vote for their top ten, and we tabulated those scores, um, and like out of that, like there was almost two hundred voters, and not one person guessed the Victoria men coming second. Wow. Yeah. yeah. 
you know what, uh, looking at a lot of the boards, there seems to be a certain bias, you know, to one conference or the other, but uh, not a single person called Victoria's number two, eh? In, in the Kitely McInnes poll, maybe, maybe somebody in the forum threads did, I'm not too sure on that. Ah, of course, of course. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today, Adam Stacey. You can find him on Twitter, at Tracky. Um, you can also find us on Twitter now at the Terminal Mile. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us, Adam. Perfect. Well, thanks a lot for having me, Michael. Hey, it's uh, it's me back again, back in the middle of the field, a couple kilometers in now. Uh, I feel a little bit winded, to be honest with you, which is uh, kind of weird on an easy run. Take a look at my uh, device right now. Uh, my kilometer splits are out. 10 to 20 seconds slower. Now I don't know what to make of that, but I can tell you that this CIS experiment, well, uh, let me tell you, I wouldn't normally be running in these conditions. Uh, coming up after this. You're listening to the Terminal Mile, a tracky radio production, and now you have the numbers, but to help us make sense of them all, and to tell us like it truly is, Here's Jeff Costin, a former collegiate runner himself for Queen's University and a runner with Physicult. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, let's hop into it. We don't have a whole lot of time. Uh, let's get into uh, what you know best, the CIS cross country. Now, for both men's and women's uh, individuals, who lived up to the hype, who surprised everyone, and uh, who left a little bit to be desired this season? Um, yeah, so living up to the hype, I think most people would have had, I think on the men's side, the top three was at least what I had as my top three. So with, uh, Proudfoot, Woodfine, and, uh, Chuck, there are no surprises there. Women's side, I think people thought Gabriella Stafford would have run quicker, but she fell obviously. So that's, I don't know, stuff like that happens when you're running in those conditions. Um, I think Julianne's race was impressive. I'm kind of biased, obviously, but mm-hmm. from what I've heard, her injury was a lot more serious than a lot of people realized, and she was still right there. I know Oldster thought she was going to get the win and was pretty adamant, but I think what she managed to do was pretty impressive, nevertheless. Well, you never can tell in you know in windy conditions like that. Uh, I mean, we had a little bit of a taste of that in Ontario this week with 100 kilometer an hour wind gusts, and I know yeah. my pace definitely uh, took a toll during that day. Yeah, it was awful. But uh, you know, like you, you never really can tell, right? Yeah, and I think not to take away from anyone who does well in those conditions because everyone's running on the same course, but I they don't necessarily affect all runners equally. So it's, I, I don't know, there's, it's just a different element that's brought to the table that you can, I don't know if there really is a way to prep for all together. It's just some people are probably better suited for than others. If you have a really laborious stride, you're probably going to have a hard time in the mud with turns and that type of wind dragging you down the whole time. Well, that leads to another question. I mean, were teams unprepared for the CIS conditions, and could they have handled it any any different than they did? Yeah, um, it, it's tough to say. Like, I I don't know if there's a whole lot you can do, obviously, especially with the wind. Like, you can't simulate wind as far as I know in training. But, um, 
Yeah, like you can run more. I think Salazar was asked about Alberto Salazar was asked about this at one point when Mary Kane lost in a cross country to Sarah Baxter a couple of years ago, and people were kind of surprised by it. And he might have used the mud as an excuse a little bit, but like if you spend a lot of time training in conditions like that or something just to make yourself adapt, you're arguably losing out on some of the aerobic stimulus you might get from just mm-hmm. getting the sessions in properly. So I, it's a tough call. I I think some people are just naturally better suited for that type of competition than others. Well, We're know, like horses that way. They're mud runners and then there's the rest of us. Yeah. Well, like, you know, speaking of things out of the ordinary, I don't think anyone would have called Uvic coming in second with the exception of maybe the Uvic team. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, where on earth did they come from? Are, are they a fluke? Are they the real deal? I mean, who are they? Well, I definitely don't think anyone on this end of things can say they're a fluke. They're just, for me, they've always been a wild card. And it's, I guess we just have such a small sample size of them because we, uh, when I say we, I mean anyone who races in Ontario or Eastern Canada doesn't really see much of them. So like even the Laval guys, they'll still race at Interlock when Ontario teams go there or they'll still come to um, Vic Matthews or whatever. So you get your sort of comparisons there. The Vic guys, they run on these flat courses and it always looks really impressive all year. And then you don't know what to expect come CIs. And I know in past years we've thought like they've kind of exceeded what we've thought they were going to do. And then there have been years where we thought they had a really good team and they've fought, fallen short of what I thought they were going to do and probably what they definitely were hoping for. So it's it's definitely hard to predict how you're going to do against a team that you really only race once a year, especially because their team's seems to be mostly mid-D guys, so you can't always get the best track PB comparisons. For sure. And I mean, at CIs, you had you had Guelph, and then you had Uvic, who, you know, <laughs> no one saw yeah. coming. And then you had that uh, big pack of guys uh, who I want to talk about next. You had Laval, Windsor, Mack, and Lakehead. Now, they're all super, super close together. I think they're all within 20 points of each other. Now, if yeah. you're one of those four schools... What do you have to do for next year to get ahead, you know, of that pack and maybe be in with the UVICs who, you know, once again, wild card, we don't even know if they'll be there next year. But how do you get that second place spot in CIs if you're in that super tight pack of guys who seem to have a lot of depth and are just fighting to get ahead? Yeah, um, good question. I think that's one of the fun things about the CIS right now that, they are so tightly bunched there. Like when I was in there, at least in the early years, it was obviously Guelph head and shoulders above everyone. And then Windsor, another level. And then you'd maybe have two or three teams like with a significant back uh, gap now. Like in terms of talent level, at least from two to six or so, you have things very tightly bunched. And I think a lot of it's just making sure you're getting it right on the day in mid-November because it's cross country is tough. It's not for the weak hearted and you know, it's a long season. A lot of people racing from early September. So I think it's pretty rare that you have a team that gets 
all five guys running to their potential on CIS day. And when you when the teams are that closely bunched, having one blow up or just can make a huge difference. So it's just really getting the periodization right, which definitely isn't easy. But Vic seemed to have a good time with it this year. You know all those all those schools that I just mentioned. You know Laval, Windsor, Mac, and Lakehead. Uh, you know I'm not just trying to pander here to you, but uh, your former school, Queens, arguably isn't that far out for for next year. I mean you have uh, you have Archer coming back next year if I uh, if I understand correctly. You yeah. also have Wilkie, and you have a really solid team. Do you think that they'll be in with those guys? Uh, you know the Lavals and the the Windsors and the Macs. Yeah, Archer and Wilkie aren't getting any slower for sure. And David Cashin's also coming back next year. He was um, he was top twenty at CIS last year, and he's uh, he's on exchange right now, um, doing an internship. And they had they had a good recruiting class this year with uh, Schmidt, Thomas, and Winans. Um, I don't know a whole lot about what went on in the season with those guys, but I think. There'll be. They, I think they've had some. A couple of them had some health problems along the way, and they'll definitely have a lot to look forward to with those guys coming up next year. And yeah, that team should definitely be a lot more relevant. They're doing a lot of things right, and I could see them finishing at least where we were finishing a couple years ago, if not better, sometime soon. Well, definitely, and uh, especially in the OUAs. I mean, you have Mac, who I believe their entire team is returning. Uh, yeah. Like their entire top seven is returning, plus they have you know, arguably Fraser. two or three guys who are, are just looking in for their chance to get in there as well, which is you know, pretty unreal. It's, it's a pretty good scene in the CIS right now. Yeah, their depth is great. I think I thought they had uh, Fraser, Kegel, Fraser Kegel joining them next year. I'm not... I don't know the guy, but I'd heard that along the grapevine also, which makes them even stronger. And they probably would have a couple guys who would tell you that they didn't run their strongest in mid-November. So I think if they get everybody firing on all cylinders on the right day, they'll definitely be dangerous and could be the second place team. Speaking of uh, OUA teams, we have uh, the Guelph dominance once again. Uh, you know, uh, what What can you tell me about that constant success? How long do you think it'll last? It's impressive. I I don't think it's going away anytime soon. You'll see, like, on the tracky boards or whatever, every now and then people will... It's more interesting to have storylines like the gap is getting closer, but I don't think that's necessarily the case. It always seems that there are three or four Guelph guys that are head and shoulders above the rest of the crew. Like they have, I guess they only have two guys that have gone under 14 minutes right now, but if you took Mercier into account, they'd probably have their whole five as under 14 minute 5K guys. And there's just nobody even approaching that level elsewhere in the CIS as far as a group goes. So they obviously good athletes come and go, but there's something going on right with their culture that I don't think they're going backwards anytime soon. I'm talking with Jeff Costin right now. You can find him on Twitter at Jeff Costin, where I've been informed that uh, he sporadically tweets. So definitely worth a yeah. follow. Uh, you're listening to The Terminal Mile, a tracky radio production. You can follow us on Twitter 
at the Terminal Mile. There is another league of cross country that uh, that ran this season, uh, often so less talked about. Yeah, uh, it's the the CCAA, and uh, were there any notable performance going uh, going on there? Uh, anything to look forward to next year? Um, yeah, I'm not as well versed in the CCAA. I think the uh, obviously the Fanshawe guys definitely have a good thing going on. Um, and I don't know how long, do you know, how long is their streak going on for right now? They've had a podium streak since 2004. They've been on the podium at uh, CCAAs, which is, you know, I was talking to, uh, to Adam Stacy about this and, you know, we're kind of spoiled by Guelph in that, uh, you know, they've been so dominant for so long that, you know, a podium streak for 10 years, eh, you know, yeah. Whatever. It's it's yeah. okay, I guess, you know? <laughs> yeah, the only thing you can do is compare them against themselves, really. But yeah, um, otherwise, I think, looking forward to next year, um, Rob Asselstein at St. Lawrence College will be a lot quicker. He was in the top five this year, but he'll, I think... I don't have his exact placing on me. But yeah, he's um, he's another guy who was out of running for a little while, uh, ran like really close to 15 flat for 5K in high school and then went down to Dartmouth and just has had all sorts of problems staying healthy. But he's back at it, and he got sick again this year kind of when the racing mattered. But I think he'll probably be a contender if he's running CCAs next year. Uh, also big in the fall time is the marathon. Uh, big mm-hmm. question, definitely on the, on the minds of most Canadian distance runners. Uh, when will the the two ten uh, record be broken? Soon, I hope, but I don't I don't know who it's gonna be by. And that's um, that's another kind of recurring tracky message board thing that comes up. Which I I don't know if anyone in the current group of you know like. Wyke Skillis, Watson Coolsat's gonna break that record, but we I think we tend to look at things the wrong way in the sense that we wonder why it's been so long that the record hasn't been broken, and a lot of people in that confusion kind of will criticize the guys who are closest to breaking it as if like what are these guys doing wrong? And I think the problems that have led to nobody breaking it without knowing anything about their individual training. It, but it, it pro- the problems are probably more symptomatic of having a smaller talent pool than a lot of these other countries and people with less people involved in running and less people uh, physically active in general to the point where and in no other area of life would, you know, the guy who makes $40,000 a year wouldn't make fun of the guy who's making 900 grand because the guy who's making 900 grand doesn't quite have a million um (laughs) so it's i yeah uh, that's kind of a roundabout way of saying i don't know if anyone in this group's gonna hit it but i think it's it pro it likely has less to do with what they're doing wrong and more to do with just we need more canadian people to pursue running seriously and more to move up to the marathon in a really long-term way like beyond the their collegiate involvement for sure i couldn't agree with you uh more now coming up this weekend uh you have a fairly big race uh you want to tell me about that and uh maybe some of the major players who are running in that this weekend 
Sure. Um, so I am, yeah, this weekend's Canadian National Cross Country Championships. Uh, I'm running for physical. I'm pretty stoked about that team. We have um, Blair Morgan and Rob, uh, sorry, not Rob Asseltine, uh, Jeff Archer and Alex Wilkie, um, Alex Green, Jacob Cameron, Brant Stachel. And the team competition's really solid this year. I wasn't 100% sure who got in teams last minute, but New Market Huskies definitely have a team. I thought Speed River did. I thought Point Grey did, but I would need to confirm that. And then on the, this is for the, all for the senior men's, I didn't specify. And then I think on the, going for the individual win in that race will probably be Kelly Weeb, Luke Boucher, um, Chuck, Phil Bear, Thibault. So you have representation from all different provinces all over. And I think as far as looking at a grouping of like 20, 30 solid athletes, it's probably one of the more competitive uh, rosters that I've seen so far prior to a championship race. For sure. It definitely looks like a, a good race, and uh, we wish you best of luck this weekend. Uh, thanks for joining us on the show and uh, giving us all sorts of insight into what happened this fall. Um, and uh, I'm sure we'll be having you back again on the show sometime soon. Uh, thanks. That would be great. All right. Just finished that easy run in the middle of the field, uh, trying to find out just what it was like to run that uh, CIS championship. Now, obviously, it's a little different on doing an easy run. However, I can say after those kilometers, boy, it was tough. It, it really took a toll on my pace, about 20 seconds. So, you know, just try and put yourself in those guys' shoes. It must have been one hell of a race, that's for sure. Thanks a lot for listening to the Terminal Mile. Thanks today goes to Jeff Cosson and Adam Stacy for joining us on the show. Big thanks to Tracky for hosting us. And be sure to find us on Twitter at the Terminal Mile. Remember, if you have any sort of show ideas or maybe some guest ideas, feel free to pass them along. And until next time, remember, keep running. Keep running.